Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, Upwest, and Hippo Insurance. Our fifth episode is with Izhar Shai, Israeli Knesset and former VC. Prior to joining the Israeli parliament, Shai was a high-tech entrepreneur, CEO of startup companies, member in boards of the directors, mentor for entrepreneurs, and a social activist. He wrote a popular weekly column at Globes for 11 years, authored two books, and founded Israel's largest digital community for entrepreneurs, Startup Stadium, with about 45,000 members. Previously, Shai was a managing general partner with Knan Partners Israel and was a board member with promising startup companies, some of which reached significant exit events. All right, Izhar, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being uh, my uh, kind host overseas uh, this evening. Of course, of course, 12,000 kilometers not keeping us apart even in terms of Corona. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. How have you been doing? So, parliament member and former VC and a CEO and entrepreneur and social entrepreneur and all-around incredible leader, one of the best that I know. Uh, it's not going to do justice if I even start to talk a bit about, about what you did. Can you, can you share a little bit about some of the things that you've done over the past several dozen years and some of the things that excite you? Oh, well, um, you know, I started my career as, a, as an electronics engineer and then moved on into all kinds of capacities. I think that my most exciting times were spent as an entrepreneur. Um, I enjoyed very much taking ideas into product, into customers' hands, into building a business around them, which I did a number of times. Two of them were with uh, venture-backed companies that I had the privilege of uh, running. Um, both of them uh, realized a successful exit for investors, but that was not the main issue. The main point was really seeing your product in the hands of customers and positively influencing people around the world, which was uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of fun, and... Uh, you know, self-rewarding in terms of uh, satisfaction, pride, you know, all uh, all those things that I guess motivate us as uh, individuals. And so I did that and then I joined a venture capital firm uh, in the U.S. Uh, called Canaan Partners. I was one of a team of uh, 10 people most times where we invested in companies, mostly in the U.S., but also in Israel and in India. Uh, and that was exciting as well, this time taking a backseat as a board member, as an investor, hopefully sometimes as a value-add investor. Um, I had uh, a lot of fun, and this was also rewarding in the sense of um, having the chance of working with very talented, bright people around the world on bringing their ideas into uh, into markets, into influencing positively people around the world, which is, again, a lot of fun, a lot of satisfaction. And, um, you know, it was also um, an educating uh, journey just because you meet with so many bright people with so many great ideas and you only can join some of them on their journey. But that was very exciting as well. So, you know, I did all kinds of interesting things. I guess the last uh, year plus, 
we can speak about uh, as well if you want. So, okay, so doing so interesting things, I think that's putting it a little bit mildly, and we'll get to that. Uh, but as of last year, you're a Knesset member, and you're now serving uh, the public, serving Israel, and you're influencing in ways that um, are very different from the way an entrepreneur or a venture capitalist can. And it sounds like a pretty interesting transition moving from high tech, very agile, move fast and break things, um, very capitalistic to all of a sudden serving the public and, and bringing, up, bringing the social good in mind. So why? Why at age 55 are you now standing in the Knesset and fighting for the good of, uh, of the Israeli citizens? Wow, you know, one day when I have the time to sit down and write my memories, I'll have to go back to this uh, specific question and try to answer it properly. At this time, I can only offer thoughts, you know, because this is an ongoing process. I am more than a year into this. Uh, it kind of happened all of a sudden, although I had been, uh, so to speak, in public service for, uh, for quite some time, you know, as a volunteer, Yes, a venture capitalist, but that aside, as a volunteer, I ran a non-for-profit organization that um, uh, dealt with, uh, and still is dealing now without me, but dealt with uh, uh, youth around the country here in Israel, coming from challenging uh, social economic backgrounds. So those young adults um, were uh, under the, the great uh, support and care of our volunteers around the country. So I did that for uh, more than 10 years. Uh, very hard as a volunteer on integrating various people into the Israeli high tech coming from... Um, you worked with the Haredis um, as well, right? Uh, say that again? You, you worked with the Haredis as well. Quite a, quite a bit. Right. So yeah. So I my point was trying to integrate people who come from the communities, right. uh, which are not necessarily integrated properly into the Israeli high tech. Uh, that way, integrating those people into the high tech uh, bubble uh, served uh, two main uh, causes. One of them is just uh, giving them equal opportunities and uh, providing them with the the appropriate platform to go about their uh, desires and uh, and uh, also uh, improving their economics. Uh, but also, there was also a bigger cause, which was this is important for the Israeli society, you know, bringing people together from different communities, different backgrounds in something is something that we are missing badly over here. So um, I did that. And then so, you know, at a certain point in juncture, I uh, came across this opportunity of joining the political life, which was a very tough decision, uh, leaving all those exciting, interesting and fun um, lifestyles and, uh, and uh, just, uh, you know, way of uh, going about uh, life. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun and uh, very rewarding personally. Um, and uh, also, you know, the kind of life I think I would be, be happy to go back one day, 20, 30 years from now. So I had to leave all of this behind me and join uh, the, the political arena. But I think that I did this because I understood that what I did as a volunteer can scale up in a significant way 
if I am willing to take the responsibility, I'm willing to turn to take upon the challenge and turn my life completely upside down from a private entrepreneur and uh, venture capitalist becoming a public figure. That's a hell of a change. I did this and, uh, and here I am. I mean, see, you took a really non-traditional approach, right? I mean, a lot of politicians, they start... They start in politics from a very, very junior position, and then they, they, their dream is to even hopefully one day become close to being a Knesset member. And you really jumped into the ship of some really, really amazing people and over a year fought for, fought really for, for democracy as the main stance more than anything. And now, now you're talking about the high-tech technology within government. Now, those two things don't make sense to me. I mean, when, I th- when you think of government... At least, I guess, up until my generation, a bit beyond, you really you you think of slow moving, you think of bureaucracy, you think of it's all about the budget for this and budget for that. And now you're coming in and saying, let's do it high tech. What what does that mean? Can governments be agile? Can governments pivot when they need to? Can they take risks? Wow, you you nailed this, uh, Michael, right to the point. So you know, it is a huge challenge. Governments are slow very bureaucratic, uh, huge uh, operations, in many cases, unnecessarily big, uh, and with so many processes that um, kind of go against innovation, against agile approaches to anything, and then you go into this and say, I'm going to introduce change. So, yes, it is a huge challenge, but this is part of the transformation any nation with the emphasis on democratic nations, uh, they have to go through. So, you know, technology has taken the world uh, through a significant um, breakthrough. And we have all seen the leap forward of changing the way we run our lives personally, on the business side, on the community side, everywhere around us. Governments are still way behind and very slow to respond. But governments who want to to survive have to go through that uh, transition. You know, your generation will not be willing to accept uh, governments that uh, slow down your development, your personal development, your desires, your willingness to do stuff quickly and efficiently. It's a a way of life, right? So here is a huge challenge. I think that I am in a good position to realize that the need is there, that it is a critical need, and uh, we have to start that transition. So, you know, I think that other people already started this transition, not only in Israel, but uh, in other democracies like in the U.S. and elsewhere. But there's a lot to be done. Um, And uh, I think that uh, we are here in Israel in a position, in a good position, to try to push things forward because we are a startup nation, because there are so many technologies, breakthrough technologies that are being developed here. And because we are a small country overall, uh, the positive noise, the positive technology and innovation noise has gone across just the high-tech community. So many people around the country somehow understand the notion of innovation and they also grew to, uh, to know, to demand better from the government just because they see things managed differently elsewhere. And so this is uh, some sort of a turning point where people around the country realize that uh, 
a change is needed, a change is possible, and we, the politicians, have the duty of introducing those changes. So let me give you a number of examples. We want to provide a, to provide a much better, efficient service to the public. Most of the service uh, where the government faces the public in Israel, and by the way, elsewhere as well, still requires many face-to-face -face interactions, many paper-based interactions, and uh, sort of old-world ways of running your business. So, you know, my vision is hopefully a number of years from now, by law, all Israeli government uh, officers and the authorities will be required to have an electronic interface with anybody who requires. So, you know, I have my parents, they're 80 plus years old. They want to interface person to person and that's totally fine. But your generation, you know, you will probably find it hard to believe that you need to go somewhere, you need to file a paper, you need to interface with a cleric. It's, it's really unacceptable and there's no reason for that. So we have to go through that transition. I should say that a number of Israeli uh, officers, Israeli governmental officers, have started to go through that transition, but still there is a long way to go. Luckily, again, we're a startup nation. There are so many technologies, so many products that have been developed uh, over here to improve the efficiency of processes, to provide better service to customers, to manage um, all kinds of uh, processes in a much better way. So all of this interesting enough, is uh, being sold outside of Israel just because Israeli entrepreneurs do not want to deal with the government, rightfully so. I was an entrepreneur. I have my scars of trying to sell to the Israeli government, so I know what it takes. But if you just improve that facet of the government, you suddenly see the Israeli municipalities are taking advantage of so many smart cities technologies that have been developed in Israel, but are sold exclusively elsewhere, out of the country. You see so many technologies that can improve the efficiency, the productivity, the security of uh, government agencies sold elsewhere that can be integrated into our um, government over here. So that's an example, and I've just touched upon the kind of the surface. This is the trivial right. transition, you know, going paperless, going electronically and so on. But there's so many other layers that one could think about. And we have so many good ideas that, uh, I, you know, I can spend the next 20 years on integrating all kinds of interesting ideas. That would be a lot of fun. Venture capitalist, you're sitting, and uh, and I, I, have the, I have the privilege now of, uh, of experiencing a little taste of it here here in, in Silicon Valley, and I'm, and you know, it's you're sitting there and you're trying to to think of of a business proposition, an opportunity to change consumer behavior, to improve the lives of many, and then you're sitting on your side of the table as the venture capitalist and trying to think, is this viable? Can I grow this into a scalable business that will actually bring value to people? Um, I can't help but make the comparison that you know, sitting in the in the position that you are now, you're seeing all these propositions all the time. Do you find yourself ever putting on this venture capitalist hat and trying to assess whether if this was a startup that came and proposed, would I believe this this entrepreneur, would I believe this model that they're suggesting? Oh, absolutely. Let me give you an example, Michael. It's, a, it's an interesting analogy. You know, uh, here's something I learned. 
every parliament member is actually some sort of a PNL unit. So really, you know, here in Israel, we have 120 parliament members, each of whom makes decisions as to what to focus on and what to invest their time in. And there are many opportunities to advance all kinds of uh, laws, all kinds of um, public services, and one has to focus one has to decide what is their specific advantage, what are their desires, and what is that you really want to promote. You know, every day, every day as a public servant, I get approached by many people who rightfully so have all kinds of interesting ideas, all kinds of desires, or all kinds of problems. And you have to make that decision. You have to make that decision of, you know, I want to focus on certain areas. I'm going to specialize in those areas. I want to provide service to certain constituents. And by doing this, by the way, I realize that I give up others. So it's not an easy decision, pretty much the same way venture capitalists work. You know, as a VC partner, I would see about 1,000 opportunities every year. Obviously, as you know, I would have not been able to to deal with um, even 1% of them. And if I did two to three deals a year, I would feel uh, pretty good about it. Right. Same here, you know, just to give you a sense, um, the previous full-term Knesset that worked in Israel was the 20th Knesset. It worked for about four years, uh, and it was able to um, to put together about 400-plus laws, you know, in Israel, but the number of law proposals that were submitted were about 6,000 law proposals from the get-go. So here's the ratio, if you think about this, about 6,000 law proposals that were filtered in, not by VCs, but by Knesset members. So each of those Knesset members probably looked at at least three to five times that number. Then they decided to narrow down to about 6,000 law proposals. And four years later, you see that about 400, so say... You know, like seven, eight percent of them were really transacted. So this is like taking the VC approach and understanding it, and then kind of mapping it to to what the process looks like in my life today. And frankly, my life as a VC is helpful here. I I learned to prioritize, to understand where my added value stands, and to force myself to focus while realizing that I may be giving up other opportunities as well. And you, you probably can't say it yourself, but but honestly, it probably is the, from the VC perspective. You also know sometimes to cut the bullshit and to and to get to the point and know some of the things that that go behind what's what's actually behind the PowerPoint presentation. And and I'm sure that that brings yeah. a lot of value as well. And but so, let, let me give you, you know, I can give you an interesting example of how all this combines, if you want. Yeah, of course. So you know, these are Corona times, coronavirus yeah. times, I should say. Uh, and one of the things we are one of the big challenges we are facing as um, as uh, the parliament here in Israel is the significant realistic fear that sometime over the next few days or few weeks, we may find many of us parliament members out of the Knesset, out of the parliament, either being instructed to stay home because right. we were close to somebody who was affected, infected, or one or some, some of us may be infected themselves. So um, here's the challenge. The Israeli parliament, by uh, a very significant law, we call them foundation laws. This is like the constitution translated into Israeli terms. We do not have a constitution here, but we have right. 
basic laws that uh, kind of control the way we govern our democracy. One of these laws dictates that uh, any discussion and voting must take in person in the Knesset. Uh, if you're not in the Knesset, you're not allowed to vote. You're not allowed to have a, to be part of the discussion. Wow. And um, interesting enough, throughout the 72 years of the Israeli parliament, there was never a session that uh, was, um, uh, you know, Exempt from prevented yeah. from being, uh, from being uh, handled because of anything. So, wow. you know, sometimes there is an, there used to be emergency cases, you know, we were attacked here and there, so you stop for 24 hours, but you continue the discussion and the voting process. So the democracy continues to run. But nobody ever thought that you may find a situation where people cannot go in person to, to do this. And by the way, we have provisions of uh, sub substituting the, the Knesset building into some other building. There are all kinds of backup buildings. So gathering is possible. But the notion of doing this electronically was never considered, uh, not for technology reasons, but just for, you could call this basic democracy. Yeah. You want to see the people in person. So I used my experience and submitted an urgent uh, law proposal to the Knesset um, uh, where we are kind of running against time. You know, it takes time of to course. process law. Sometimes it takes two to three years. Sometimes it takes a few months. It rarely takes a few days. Wow. But we are running against time. Uh, and so the clock is ticking. We submitted a law proposal this week, and we hope to be able to bring it uh, up to discussion on Monday next week, which is uh, a record-breaking uh, case. And that law will allow for a limited amount of time and for very specific cases, which are people that have to be isolated by the, the, the orders of the Ministry of Health, or they have been infected, but they will be allowed to log in electronically, and they will be allowed to discuss and to vote, which is a very significant precedence. We yeah. have to go through all the motions. We sat with top lawyers here in Israel, constitutional lawyers and, and others, and we have come up with the right formula that kind of satisfies everybody. And now we are running against time. The, the real fear is that we will not have enough people to vote on submitting and, and approaching and, because, um, yeah. and approving this law before people are being isolated. So here's a combination of everything. You have the VC guy, ironic. the technology guy, and the, the parliament member who are trying to put all of this together. Very, very fascinating. Wow, well, best of luck. I mean, I mean that's just inspiring to hear from my end. Izar, you have to go back to running the country, but uh, three words that describe you. Wow. Yeah. Dreamer, oh. optimistic, Passionate. I love it. Izal, thank you so, so much. Loved having you. Good luck, you my kid. Thank Take you. Take good care of yourself, please. Take okay. care. Stay healthy. Bye bye.